Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. You can connect with us on social media at Crossing Cultures or by visiting www.crossingculture.org. Make sure you stick around after today's message for a discussion with Phil and our special guest. Well, thanks so much for uh, listening today to Crossing Cultures. As you already heard, my name is Phil Metzger. This is episode two. Now, I promise you, if you're listening right now, I promise you, I'm not going to do this every single week. I'm not going to tell you which week it is, right? Week one, week two, week three. But these first two, man, this is so exciting. It's exciting for us that are a part of putting this together for you, and we hope that you will enjoy it. And we are kind of using a different format here. We're speaking to those of you that are listening. Maybe it's via a podcast or you're listening right now to K-Wave or KSDW, and we're so glad that you're taking time to be a part of this with us. And uh, this, this, this message is split up into kind of two different parts, and I want to share it with you from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. But then later on, um, I'm going to be having a conversation with a good friend of mine, Andrew McCall. Andrew is a business leader and entrepreneur and also just a wonderful believer, and uh, he's got a great story that I want you to get to hear and um, connecting it to our our teaching today. In fact, today in our passage, I just want to get right to it. I'm going to pick up uh, kind of where I left off last week and just remember, I don't know that you can all be with us for the whole this whole episode, but if you can't, please jump on to our, our podcast or our website, crossingculture.org, or our podcast is Crossing Cultures. And we'd just love to have you be a part of our um, part of that program. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12 for today. We can say with confidence, and I, by the way, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. We can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world, and especially toward you. Verse 13, our letters have been straightforward, and there's nothing written between the lines, nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us. Even if you don't understand us, then on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, you will be proud of us in the same way that we are proud of you. I just want to make a couple statements here, and then we're going to continue on because there's some just really rich stuff that's coming up that we want to get to to look at. You know, I guess I want to I want to I want to say what I want to say with a question for you, for you to think about right now, and even to answer to yourself: How do you handle misunderstandings? And and now let me give backstory. We're going to see it as we go through Second Corinthians. There was a lot of tension between the Apostle Paul, who had started the church there in Corinth and then it moved on to start other churches, there was tension between him and the believers in Corinth. And if I didn't say this last week, let me just say it now. I think the book of 2 Corinthians is so crucial for us to look at right now, in the season that we're in, in the society that we're in, in the world that we're in. We are so much like the Corinthians in, in culture. We're also so much like them in the problems that they had. And we are also like them in the solutions that God brought to them. And so we have so much that we can learn here in 2 Corinthians. But let me again ask the question, how do you handle misunderstandings? For the Apostle Paul and the Corinthian church, man, they, there was like, like a love-hate thing. They were just so frustrated with each other, but they also knew that like, you know, this guy, God's used this person, but, but they, they began to believe that there was more out there for them that the Apostle Paul wasn't going to be able to bring he wasn't going to be able to help them. And at the same time, he's frustrated that like he's not being understood. And And I was thinking about this and I was thinking maybe you're like, you know, there's kind of two different types of people in this, right? Here's maybe you're too passive with a misunderstanding. You say nothing, but then you sulk like a victim of misunderstanding. Like, oh man, I should have said this and I should have said this. The person who's like three days later thinks about the, the what they should have said. And then maybe you're too aggressive. You say too much and it's like a scorched earth policy you burn everything around you, you know, you, you, there's a misunderstanding and you just light them up. And, I, and I'm, I'm reading this, I'm reading how Paul definitely felt there was misunderstanding, but he believed by the power of God that God could bring 
unity and, and, and understanding, and he could rebuild relationship. Look at what he says in verse 15. He says, since I was so sure of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice. First, on my way to Macedonia, and again when I returned from Macedonia. Then you could send me on my way to Judea. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I am like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? So we're getting a little insight into at least a part of the the problem between the, the Corinthians and Paul. And by the way, this little problem that he's talking about right now in normal context would be no big deal in the slightest. Paul had a plan and the plan changed guess what? It happens, right? It happens to all of us. But something else happens inside of us. When I'm already mistrusting or distrusting somebody or, or, or frustrated by them, I tend to, and, and I'm going to say, I say I, but I'm saying us, we tend to maximize our frustrations. We tend to overemphasize the negative in that person, Right. So I'll, I'll like, I'll make up a, like a dumb example. It's like, you know, oh, Jeff is late again. By the way, I'm not thinking of no Jeff in particular. Just, just use the name Jeff. So Jeff is late. And then I say, because I've had other problems with Jeff, I say, oh, figures. Jeff's always late. Oh, but then the same scenario, Claudia is late. Now I do know some Claudias, so I'm thinking of them. Claudia is late. And then my response is, I'm sure she has a good reason. You see, when I'm in a good place with someone, I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt. But when I'm not in a good place, I overemphasize my frustrations, my issues. And so that's kind of what was happening here with the believers in Corinth. Paul's plans changed, and they were super frustrated by that. They were frustrated, and that was indicative of a deeper problem. And so why is it here in the scriptures? Like, is the, is the moral of this passage to tell us how to, how to explain when things change? No, I don't think that's the point. I think the moral of this, the message of this is to remember that there's more happening beneath the surface in all of our relationships. And we want to allow the Holy Spirit to expose and to bring transparency and to bring healing Paul says to them here, you might be wondering why I changed my plan. And then he asks them, do you think I did this carelessly? Well, we, we go on to find out that the reason Paul changed his plan is because God changed his plans. And so though Paul wanted to do one thing, things changed. And, and giving people the benefit of the doubt, I know that might sound like a very like small spiritual point, but I think it's so important. Man, the grace of God allows me to give people a little bit of margin to give them a little bit of space, to not hold the wire and hold the rope so tight that it's just ready to break. But I can, I can relax that. And it's not because I'm, I'm compromising or any of those kinds of things. No, you know why I can, I can loosen things up just a little bit? Because God has been so gracious to me. God has forgiven me. God has been thoughtful to me. It's okay for you and me to do the same for other people. And so Paul here, he's, he's saying, do you think that I'm just like, I say yes, but then I mean no? Do you think I'm like people of the world or, or that I just carelessly make my plans? He's wanting them to rethink how they see him. Now, does it really matter how they see Paul? My answer would be both yes and no. Let me, let me explain kind of like, how can both be true? In the big scheme of life, it doesn't really matter how they saw Paul. That's, I mean, it, so no, it doesn't matter that much. But there is a yes, and here's my caveat. Here's why there's a yes. Because it was affecting, you know, the way I see people should be filtered through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I have been loved by God, that I have been valued by God so much that he would send his son to die for, for me, that he loves me that much, not because I'm so amazing, but because God is so amazing. And because God is so amazing, I am amazing. I'm a part of his work. I'm a part of his purposes. I'm a part of his creation and a part of his redemption. And so I want to see the people in my life that way. If something changes and they let me down, I can stop and, and filter it through the gospel and just say, you know what? The Lord still loves me. 
and he's given me space. He's given me margin. When I, mis- when I make a mistake, there's room for forgiveness. Maybe I can just relax and not, not begin to see everybody in the most negative light possible. And I want to, in just a moment here, I want to jump into this next section because, man, this is like the power. I love this next section. Um, so let's just have a quick little commercial break and then let's jump right back into this passage. You are listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. If this ministry has added value to you and you would like to hear more content, you can subscribe at our Crossing Cultures podcast or visit us online at www.crossingculture.org. If you would like to support us financially, you can do that on our website at www.crossingculture.org. We are so excited to provide you with a free resource, five steps to get the most out of your Bible reading. You can download this free gift written by Phil over on our website at www.crossingculture.org slash free. Now let's get back into today's message. All right. Well, like I said, um, I want to get into this, like this, these verses that I think are just so awesome and so beautiful. And, and again, if you're, if you're just joining us, I want to say thank you. And I want to say thank you for being a part of this. If it's on, if you're on the radio right now, or maybe you've jumped onto the podcast. Um, and, and let me just make the encouragement once again, if you are listening on the radio, but you're not able to stay for the whole show, I just want to encourage you, make sure you subscribe to our podcast or jump onto our website because then you can, you could download and take it with you whenever it's convenient. And there's going to be just a great interview coming up in just a moment. So, But let me get into this passage that I love so much. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 1, As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ our amen. Which means yes and he ascends to God for his glory. Verse 21. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised us. Oh man, there's just so much in here. This is, I love this. We could spend so, so long in here, but I want to just uh, do my best to to give you my thoughts and what I believe the Lord would want to speak to us. In fact, I want to do this in three I want to make three points to you, okay? So if you like that, if you like that style, here we go. Just three points. Now, you're in your car or whatever. You're like, how am I going to remember these? I'm going to do my best. You ready? Number one, integrity matters. Integrity matters. That's one of the, I think, the main points that Paul's making here is that he did not say yes, but mean no. His word was good. And the whole idea of integrity, meaning the wholeness of a person, that what I think is also what I would be saying, is also how I would be living and how I would be reacting. And in other words, I'm not one way on Sunday and something else on Monday, or I don't say, oh yeah, no problem. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's such a problem. You know, I, I, I speak honestly. I would even add to integrity. I said integrity matters as point one, but I would say that's a part of like transparency. I'm not hiding anything. Integrity is an important part of our Christian character that God is wanting to develop, that every element of my life, every part of it, not out of some like legalistic obligation, but truly every part of my life would be holistic. It would be, it would be integrated into my Christian faith, that I would be filtering my thoughts, my actions, my words through the gospel of Jesus, that I wouldn't see some areas as, as, as Christian and other areas as secular. You know, I love what Paul said in the book of Colossians, and he said, like, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. So it separates the idea of, or it, it, it eliminates the concept of holy and secular. It's like, whatever you do, do it as unto God. Are you at home right now, and you got kids, and you're raising kids? Do it as unto the Lord. 
Are you in the business world? I want to get to talk more about that in my conversation uh, in just a few moments. But, uh, you know, do that as unto the Lord. Are you a teacher? Do it as unto the Lord. Like, don't just do it for a paycheck. That's a legitimate reason to work. It's why most of us work, right? Got to pay the bills. But, but take that, take what is obvious and make it something more supernatural. I'm going to do this as unto the Lord. So our integrity matters. Number two in these verses, you ready? The promises of God matter. Okay, the promises of God matter. All, Paul says, the promises of God are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. Just think about that. God's word to you right now is yes. He became one of us. He died for all of us so that we could inherit all of his promises for our lives. I mean, God's word to you, I'm just saying it again. I know I already said it, and you're like, why does he keep repeating himself? It's so important. God's word to you is yes. And and, and I want to highlight this for a moment. Are you ready? It looks like this. I think that there's a brand of Christianity that all of us, at one time or another, either we still have a little bit of this, or we've seen it, or it's what turned us off to being a Christian. Maybe you're listening and you're not a believer, and this is one of the reasons. And and it looks like this. It looks like everything is no. Everything is no. In fact, we, we can we can do that. You know, we like we start teaching kids from a young age, and you know, and it's nope, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And then they become teenagers, and like the whole Christian, you know, it, you know, high school becomes about like, no, you can't do this. No, this is wrong. No, this is bad. No, this leads to, you know, and we, you know, oh no, you can't dance because it might lead to, I don't know what, you know, smoking or whatever it might be. And we're so afraid. We're so afraid, and we lead in fear. And I just want you to know, man, the gospel, the gospel means we, we don't have to lead in fear. We don't have to live in fear. The promises of God are yes. Is God for you? Yes. Does God love you? Yes. Listen, I mean, are there, there, are there things out there in life that maybe we should not be a part of? Of course. Of course there are. When I choose the yes of my Jesus then yeah, there's going to be things in my life that I'm like, no way, I don't want that. Why would I want that when I have something so much better? But friends, we do need to learn to reshape this. We need to stop just being the people who are no. Oh, do you want to do you want to go to this movie with me? No, it's evil and you're evil or whatever. You know, hey, do you want to come out to this party with me? No, I don't do those things and neither should you. I understand. I Listen, I do understand that we need to not compromise our faith. This, I'm not talking about a compromise. I'm talking about a reshaping the way we express our faith and the way we understand our faith. There's no quicker way to get a young person to want to do something than to tell them no. I mean, it's just, it's just and that's true. Uh, you know what? I'm not a young person, but I still feel that way. Hey, Phil, you're not allowed to do this. It's exactly what I want to do now. There's just something in us. They call it rebellion or just call it independence or maybe just call it what it means to be a human being. We were made in the image of God. We are free will beings. You tell me what I can't do. My inclination is I want to do that. It doesn't mean I'm right and it doesn't mean that's right, but it's just a part of our inclination. And so maybe we could reshape the way we describe our Christian faith. It is not a religion of no. It is a relationship of yes, 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 yes. Let's not be afraid to tell people, yes, the grace of God is so great. It's so powerful. God's working in our lives. Let's, 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 let's give young and old, let's give all of us, a, it's a yes, the promises of God. God's promises matter because they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And then quickly, let me mention this third point to these verses that I think is important. Point one, integrity matters. Point two, the promises of God matter. Ready? Point three, the Holy Spirit matters. Paul writes that it is God who enables us and who's commissioned us and who has identified us by placing his Holy Spirit in our hearts. You and I, are you ready? Wherever you're at, I hope you hear this. You were never meant to live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit working in you. That might sound crazy to you, but just think of it like this, that God doesn't want to just like save you, and then leave you to figure things out on your own. God wants to empower you to, in, to, to, to fill you with himself so that as you go through life, you can experience all the yeses and the amens of his promises. 
that you have the power to move away from the things that should be a no, that you don't have to be dominated by the things that are a no. You know, the more I focus on the no's, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. Man, I get in, I just get like infatuated. Like I want that. I want that. I want that. But feed me the yeses and I'll want that now. And, and the Holy Spirit helps you and me to see the beauty and the value. And he empowers us to move into the yeses of God for our lives. We were never meant to live this Christian life in our own strength or in our own power. Maybe you've been feeling weak. I get it. Yeah, it's, we all are, man, we've all gone there and we've all been there. You don't have to be weak alone. God's spirit wants to empower and fill you. And even when you're weak, when you're feeling down and discouraged, God wants to be a source of strength, but also just a source of comfort. And so, you know, I don't, I don't, need, to, uh, I don't need to hype this up. I just want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit matters. We live in a busy world, and sometimes our time for reading the word is limited. This makes it so important that we know how to read to get the most out of it. That is why we are so excited to provide you with a free resource, five steps to get the most out of your Bible reading. You can download this free gift written by Phil over on our website at www.crossingculture.org free. That is www.crossingculture.org free. Now let's get back into today's message. Let's finish up this uh, section of 2 Corinthians here. Just uh, several more verses to read, and then we'll, um, we'll wrap it up here. Verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 1, I call God as my witness, and I'm telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. But that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together so that you will be full of joy. For it is by your own faith that you stand firm. And then into chapter 2, verse 1, I decided that I would not bring you grief with another painful visit. If I cause you grief, who will make you glad? And then I'm just going to stop there because Paul goes on in the next couple of verses to say like, man, I don't want to come and burn you out and hurt you. That was never my intentions. Um, when Paul first came to Corinth, it was in the power of God through the gospel and people got saved. Lives were transformed. The same thing that was happening then, God wants to do today in our lives. And then he stayed there for a year and a half and he moved on. And when he left, misunderstanding started creeping in. And then some sin started creeping in so, so, so big that he had to write and he had to speak into that. And it created some division. And one of the reasons that he was glad God changed his plans and didn't let him go to Corinth was because he didn't want to come and be all mean and harsh and dominating. I love that he says that there in, uh, I think it was in verse 24, we, um, we did not want to dominate you. You know, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, man, I think that's how a lot of people feel about like Christian leadership, that it's like, they're, it's dominating, it's controlling. And there's a lot of space for that, you know, it's a pretty powerful thing when you're weak and vulnerable and hurting and in need of like guidance and help. And then like a spiritual leader says, well, this is what God is saying. And there's a lot of like, if that's, if that power is not given over to the Lord, it can do a lot of damage in, and it has done a lot of damage in people's lives. And that's why we need to avoid making certain roles, you know, like, oh, this person's a spiritual person. And so whatever they say, I'm going to listen to because we got to be so careful and thoughtful about that. And I would even encourage you uh, that, you know, we have one Lord and one Savior, and that's Jesus. And I'm, I'm all for all of us growing together and being discipled. But discipleship is not like one person has power and authority over my life except for Jesus. I, I, I don't want to be dominated. I don't want to be controlled. I am so thankful that Jesus came. You know, the Bible tells us that he became lower than us to save all of us. He didn't come, you know, in some kind of a guru role, but he got down on his knees, you know, and, and he lowered himself and he washed our feet. You know, he came to serve and to, um, and ultimately to lay down his life. And that is our model of what leadership looks like. Not to dominate people, not to control people, but to love them and to serve them and to help them to, to see the value of just 
total surrender to Jesus. Like, why would I not give my life to him if he loves me that much? And, and as I said, you know, um, I, and I, I want to talk to my friend, um, Andrew McCall, who's a, he's an entrepreneur. He's a business leader, young man who, um, has such a heart for God and for people. And, you know, I was thinking about this passage in that context, you know, um, the promises of God are yes and amen. You know, God called him into a ministry in the world and to to succeed and to make money and to do all that. And, you know, it's easy to say like, oh, no, that's not why we're here. But but we're here to just be and do whatever God calls and tells us to do. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking probably a lot of you listening are in the business world or the education world, or maybe you're raising kids. Maybe your job is not a full-time ministry position. I, I want this conversation that Andrew and I have, this is for you and it's to be a help and to be a blessing. So I hope you really enjoy it. We hope you enjoyed our message. We have a great conversation coming up in just a moment. Crossing Cultures is focused on helping Christians learn how to connect to those who may live, believe, or think differently than they do. We would love for you to partner with us financially as we seek to take the gospel locally and globally. You can do so by visiting us online at www.crossingculture.org. We would love to send you a gift for your donation of any amount. Now let's hop back into today's discussion with Phil and our special guest. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining me on this episode of Crossing Cultures. We've just been looking at the book of 2 Corinthians, and we're in the first chapter. We just looked at the last part of that, and I am really excited about my guest for today. He has been a very, very close friend, an important person in my life for a very long time, and uh, his name is Andrew McCall. Andrew McCall was the executive director of uh, Trinity Solar. I mean, he scaled this company, was a part of that scaling in a big way. I don't have the great business acumen and the terms. Uh, I call him Bondi, by the way, so if you hear me call him Bondi today in this interview, you'll know why. His name is Andrew, but in Hungarian, we call him Bondi. And so, Bondi, maybe you could tell a little bit more about yourself, like what you do, what you've done. I know you've started several companies. You've scaled those. You're, I mean, I, yeah, again, I, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and thanks for thanks for listening today, guys. And um, when we talk about business and scaling business, um, I live in Central Valley, California, so pretty close proximity to Silicon Valley. And there's there's a lot of talk of making big business and building unicorns and big exits and venture capital. And I've had a really unique journey uh, to get to where I'm at to be a part of um, being a part of a big company that has a billion dollar valuation and being a real, real critical piece of scaling it from the sales side of the business. And my journey definitely didn't start as somebody that had an education and, and had the had the pedigree of somebody that should be an executive in the business, but um, we we scaled the business. Um, the, the owners are believers. It's an East Coast based business, um, but we scaled it to just over three hundred million in revenue consistently annually. Um, but when I showed up, it was you know three hundred employees and doing twenty million in revenue. Um, but we grew it to two thousand employees and doing three hundred million in revenue um, to be one of the top three solar companies in the nation, um, just out of the East Coast. So, um, but that's that's definitely not. Where where it started for me? Yeah, uh, right. That yeah, was, yeah. That that's yeah. kind of where it's come to, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and even now, I think I would even say you're you're kind of doing bigger things, and it's beautiful. Now now we're in a moment. I want you to keep. I want you to share a little bit about your own story and your own life, and then after that, we want to. I want to connect this to our passage that we just looked at, um, especially one verse: the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I know you yeah. love that passage. Yeah. And so um, but but yeah. So so. So this is where you are right now. Maybe maybe give us a little bit of understanding of just your life and how you even came to faith and, you know, our connection and all that. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and you've been such an epic part of my journey once I, once I accepted Christ. And we met in Europe back in Hungary. And you were, you were a teacher at the Bible College. And I was in one of your classes. And I started to learn about missions. 
Um, we can chat a little bit more about that and in, in my entry into the game. What I, I was not up to speed on the Bible. I didn't know know who Paul the Apostle was. It was a really, really humbling time in my life. Um, but you but, were amazing. I'm just going to add yeah. in there right now. You were amazing. Maybe yeah. maybe it was all fresh and raw, but your heart and your spirit. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. So um, my, my childhood, I think uh, people that are listening, you could probably relate to this. They're... Um, look, we all have been through things in life. That's part of this journey. Um, I don't think my story's so unique um, that nobody else has has experienced trauma. Um, but just in, in short, um, my mom left when I was two years old and uh, because my dad was abusive and into drugs. Um, so my brother and I stayed with my dad. He was in and out of jail, in and out of rehab because he was abusive to us and to... Um, to his wife and his girlfriends at the time. And when I was 10, I met my mom for the first time. She lived in Texas and I was up wow. in Idaho. And um, and it was so nice to meet my mom. You know, it's just like, wow, I, I've, I don't know who you are. And uh, a little bit, she, she was off in her own space and, and had her own journey. Um, and my dad, the next year, he got busted for drugs and they let him out on bail and he went up to the mountains with his girlfriend and, and their kids and um, got in a canoe, went to see his buddies to get some life jackets for the kids. When he was coming back across, the canoe flipped over and he, he swam to shore, but he, he went into hyperthermic shock. And oh um, so he went under and he, and he died. And um, oh so that was, a, that was a major transition point because we just met our mom and, and our dad, although he was in and out of jail and rehab and abusive, um, there is still something, I, you know, if you're listening, Listening, you know, even through abuse, it's it's like you're just it's nice yeah. as a kid to know that there's something consistent. Right. You know, it's a like sense of identity there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah totally. And, and my dad was everything, and um, drugs really took him into a path where he was angry and um, and a and a womanizer. And you know, it, in in society's terms, they would say a degenerate. To me, he was my dad. It, yeah. You know, it's like we all have some affinity, even if it's the most terrible situation. Right. Um, so things changed really quick. My mom came up for, uh, she heard about it. She was notified um, through the government and that she's entitled to social security if she gets custody. So she came for the check. Um, she won the battle and we were gone. So our whole life, she hadn't been there. And then she took us to Texas. And, wow. um, and that I, I would say was probably the more lonely time of my life. Uh, she wouldn't let us call our family, didn't obey the court orders. We couldn't visit. She, she wouldn't let us pick up the phone. And it was a really s- unfortunate scenario, kind of like, you know, like a little bit of a semi-prisoner scenario. Um, and my, my brother, she left in Georgia and kept the social security check. So she dropped him off with my aunt and uncle in a trailer with five kids. And I stayed in Texas and she, she tricked me into it. Um, and so, uh, probably the, the best thing that came out of that during that, that time, although it was a very sad time to lose my dad. And then right after to lose my brother, who was, you know, I, I just wrote his coattails, you know, that was my, uh, I get emotional. Yeah. This is an emotional story. Your brother uh, was like, he's an older brother, yeah, right? Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're connected to him. He's the only family you got that's been with you. Yeah, I would just follow him right. and his friends and skateboard. And wow. So he ended up in Georgia. And, and so we, we would go to, um, we would go to Catholic church hmm. and I'd play with the holy water. Yeah, I was, I was like an <laughs> idiot. You were that kid. Yeah, I was that guy. Yeah. And then, so uh, <laughs> we were, you know, flip the benches and whatever, light the candles. Uh, but uh, I always felt like there's got to be something good, you know, like there, there's something here about God or Jesus or something. And uh, one of my mom's coworkers took her to a charismatic church. And so we were introduced to the gospel. And although it wasn't, you know, now that I've been to Calvary Chapel and, and learned the Bible, like been taught inductive Bible study and like, a, you know, I've been in the game for right. 20 years. Um, at that point, I didn't know the Bible and it was a lot of emotional you know, it was, a, it was emotional pull and an emotional draw. Um, but, but listen, for somebody that came from a home that had nothing, hmm. you'll take the dancing. You'll, yes. you'll take, take it all. You'll take the flags. You'll take Absolutely. the tambourines. You'll take the tongues. You'll take, hey, give it. Like, yes. if you have anything, I'm buying. Right? Yes, like, so, absolutely. And I think we, we overlook that, that the, 
the body of Christ is so unique and diverse yes. and beautiful. Yes. And we, if it doesn't fit our mold, it's not the mold. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't know who I am today if mm. that wasn't there for me in the beginning. That's so awesome. And so I would say I believed in God and believed the gospel, but it, but they didn't have the foundations right. So they thought you had to get saved every week. And, right. Right. And right. Re, you know, go back to the altar, rededicate your life to right. the Lord. And I said, well, I did this already. Yeah, what? Yeah. I now don't, don't yeah. want to keep doing <laughs> yeah. this, right? Like, give me something new. So, right. um, so anyways, fast forward. Uh, I, I, I left my mom for my senior year of high school and uh, went back to Idaho. And uh, was that, that was, again, you're very lost. I was a senior and my, uh, my dad's dead and my mom and we, we don't talk. And, and then I'm about to graduate. And, uh, and a buddy in my class, his name was Josh Pugh, he, he prayed for me through the winter. And I told him I believed in God, but I didn't go to church or read my Bible. I just, I, I couldn't pick it up. Mm. And I, I felt like I was so far from God. And, and he prayed for me, and, and eventually I made it to Calvary Boise, and I heard the Bible being taught verse by verse. And I, I remember Luke Caldwell was teaching, and I, you know Luke. And, yeah, yeah, of and, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Esther Lynn. And yeah. anyways, he was a youth pastor at the time, and, and I remember him teaching, and I thought, man, this guy doesn't really know the Bible very well because he's just talking from the same place. And <laughs> he's, he's not moving anywhere. Oh, no, there's, yeah. where's the topic, bro? Where, where, go, jump around, jump around. And then, and so the next week I went back and, and he's teaching from the same book. And yeah, I was like, yeah, he, he just moved, moved on to yeah. the next thing. Yeah, yeah, I was like, where are you going? What are you doing? Like, you ever read this thing? Yeah. So, and then by the third week I said, oh my gosh, he's telling me the whole thing. I got to stick around for this. We're going like, to be here if, a long time. Oh, if he's going to yeah. tell me the whole thing, I'll stay, right? Like, I want to know. Right. I want to see this. So so then then that's where I, you know, that's kind of the, 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 the redemption story. Mm. And for me, it was very simple. A youth leader asked me at youth camp, hey, why, like, do you, why don't you follow God or, like, what's your deal? And I said, well, I believe in him. And she yeah. goes, well, why don't you just give your life to him? I said, I'll do that. So that was my check-in, and yeah. that was conversion. <laughs> I'm here. It, yeah, there was no prayer. We didn't hold hands and no music. It was at a coffee shop, and I just said, well, if you tell me that's true, I'll buy it. Yeah. Right? I'm a consumer. So, yeah. Yeah. so that yeah. was the transaction. So God right. and I were good, and, I, and, then, <laughs> and then I cried later and prayed later, right? So, um, you know, and that, and that was, like, you think of the journey as, as linear. It's not a linear journey. It's not like I, right. I you know, I... Oh, I just figured I need God in my life, so I made it work. It was like, man, so many hard times. Mm. And, and then it got harder. And then it went to depression. Mm. And then it went to loneliness. And then you come back and you say, then it's all of it at the mm-hmm. same time. Yep. Yep. And for me, it was never I needed God to fix a problem. It was... I want to I want to figure out how I could help you solve yours. <laughs> right? Like you got problems and you, all your people you're nuts. So when I when I finally made the deal, Whoa. it was a deal between the two of us. It right. wasn't a one-sided transaction that said, "Oh god, you get the upper hand." It said, "Hey, we're coming into this as partners. Right. If you're going to fill me with your spirit, I'm going to be doing the I'm going to be doing the work." So we to me, that's the gospel. Mm. That is the ultimate transaction you could ever make in your life and say, all right, put it there, partner. If you say this is the truth, I'll believe it. Mm-hmm. But you better listen to me when I pray because this isn't <laughs> going to be a one-sided thing that I give you my life and you don't show up when I'm working. Mm-hmm. This is a deal. So you had expectation of God. I had a very big expectation mm. because I was going to work for him right. and say, I give you my life. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Yeah. Show me the system. Show me the process, and I'll do it. Yeah. You don't have to tell me twice, hmm. right? So that, so right, so that was a really fun thing, and I, I gave it. my life to Christ, and and I started to t- tell people about Jesus. Go to the streets, tell people downtown, and and it was just the you know my senior year of high school. By the end of the year, I got saved in January, and then by the end of the year, I was picking people up on the way to school and. Wow. teaching the book of Romans that, you know, I didn't know it, but I just told him about Romans and, and we had 20 people in the cafeteria talking about Jesus because I said, I don't know it, but just come Mormons, Catholics and I love it. right. Why not? 
I made a deal. <laughs> and you, you, so you do that, and then, then you ended up coming to Hungary. Yeah. To go to Bible college. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I ever actually went to Bible college. <laughs> yeah, that's very but true. But I did show it's up. True. You were there. You were, yeah. In proximity, you were, you you were a get part rid of me. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And then I was like, wait, why is he still here? What's going on? Right. No. For everybody who's listening, that's why they give them terms, right? Because so, yeah, yeah, they exactly. want you to leave when yeah, it's yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how many terms have you done? Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, but, but you were, but um, kidding aside, though, you were not a, a I could just see, and you know, I, I, I could just see that the Lord has hand on your life. Mm. And your language acquisition skills were, I mean, uh, better than anybody I've ever seen. Mm. Your heart for the Lord, like you bought, like when you gave your life to Christ, you were all in. You were all in. And, and I mean, like, like all of us, it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. We're still growing. We're still learning. None of us are, you know, Paul said, I've not yet arrived. So we haven't yet arrived. Right. But we're in this journey. And I could just see right away, dude, that there was this like, you're, you're in this thing. Yeah. And you didn't have anywhere to go back to. Yeah. So you were making Hungary your home. Yeah. And it's, it's like one of the key things that I see as a, uh, having been a missionary so long of like, it's very rare to find somebody who's like, I'm in. Sure. I'm here. And do you remember you and I started going out to this little village uh, it's, this village is called Charbogard. Yeah. Uh, you won't be able to find it. You could try Googling it, but good luck. Uh, it'll be tough, you know. And, no uh, stoplights. No, There's nothing, nothing there. Just a long, like a long, skinny little town. And we're going to start a Bible study. We're going to yeah. start reaching people. And yeah. we did. Yeah. And God started reaching people. Right. And then I gave it to you. Yeah. And really, I'd say the Lord gave it to you. I feel mm. like my job was to get things going, get it moving. But God was calling you to do that, and yeah. and uh, you did that for how long? Yeah, well, we in Hungary, I stayed for seven years wow. total, um, but from Bible college. And the funny thing is, I, I was unsuccessful at Bible college, so you made me an intern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah, was yeah. so bad at that. Yeah. You said, you got to come and teach people, yeah, yeah. right? And so it was Go just, be a pastor. Like a, you'd be great at pastoring because <laughs> um, you're so nuts. So, and it worked, and it, and it was such a great experience. And, yeah. and I think it, it, I always look back, and I think of all of the things that I failed at along the way, mm. and you tell it from a different viewpoint of you grew the whole time. Yeah. And, and, and that, to me, was the gospel. That yeah. was discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. And discipleship is not saying you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. The gospel is saying you're going to get it right. Yeah. You're, at some point, you're going to yeah. get it right. Yeah. I just got to stick around until that happens, and then I can move on. Right. right. And so we did that, and I learned the language, and I started teaching in Hungarian. My wife is Hungarian, and I got a job full-time working Hungarian. And the moment that was the most impactful for me when I knew life had changed. I crossed a line in the sand. I went for a day laborer job uh, and we worked two days ripping up linoleum floors in this old school. And at the end of the two days, the guy that picked me up, we went to the local uh, Kochma, I don't know, pub, Pub, like a bar, yeah, 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 whatever. And uh, hangout space in a town. Yeah, yeah, yeah just a little hangout spot. Oh. Yeah, like here at co- uh, Cave's or like coffee shop. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and we went there, and he takes out uh, twenty bucks, and he puts it in front of the bartender and says, "Hey, split it in two. So he splits it in two. And when he pulled it out, I thought, "Man, this guy's really gonna pay me nothing. Twenty bucks—that's nothing for the two days I did." <laughs> then he split it in half, and I said. This is not going in a good direction. Mm -mm. And then he said, hey, I know this is a lot, but I wanted to pay you a little bit more than I usually do. And he gave me 10 bucks. And I and you would never nobody can tell you what it means to work for two dollars an hour. And that's your source of income to survive. Yeah. Nobody can tell you that story. Yeah. Until you work the time mm-hmm. and you get and you cut the paycheck. Now, where it gets really interesting is that I still had to pay taxes on it. And in Hungary, you don't pay taxes on anything. Mm-hmm. Everybody cuts the government yeah. out because it's crooked. Right. So I said, Zoli, I got a problem. I got to pay taxes because that's what the Bible told me I got to do. <laughs> so he goes, 
Oh, Bundy, you can't pay taxes on that. Yeah. You're already getting paid nothing. What are you going to take home to your family? And I said, that's not my job to figure that out. I've only got to pay the taxes. Wow. God didn't tell me what's next. Wow. So he, so they have a program. I went to the government, got a book as, a, as an immigrant, and I went to the post office and bought my tax stickers, and it, and it would have been five bucks for my, you know, for the big paycheck. And so he said, oh, Bondi, don't, don't buy the whole stamp. Just buy half of it. <laughs> Put in that you worked half a day. And I said, Zoli, but I worked the whole day. This isn't hard math. I got to pay the whole, thousand, whole five bucks. Yeah. And he relented in the end and he ended up paying for my stamps and and he ended up giving me a little bit more money in the end. By, by the time I was done, I had become a skilled worker. But Zolib came to Christ. Wow. And, and the whole crew I worked with came to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't because I talked to him about Jesus. Right. It was because I paid my taxes. Exactly. Right? So I just told him the truth. And if this is what the program is, just follow the program. Yeah. You don't have to innovate and be creative and... You don't have to do anything. Right. Just do the, the ABCs, yeah. right? Love be, the Lord. Be obedient. Surrender. Yeah, that's it. Just yeah. do it. Right. So, so we did that, and we grew it to, I don't know, 40 people, and we were reaching 25,000 people through the newspaper. We were doing interviews in Hungary. Yeah, and the it, Lord was moving. I mean, you guys were doing some great stuff, and you, yeah. ended up, you ended up, you know, sometimes we get in this sense of like, but this is what I'm supposed to do the rest of my life. Yeah. But I think that for a lot of people, like, we're just in a journey. You know, yeah. you were, what, how old were you when you left 26. Yeah, so you're 26 years old. You're figuring out. Yeah. Your whole kind of Christian identity has been in Hungary now. You're married. You've got, you had two kids at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, Timo. Yep. Uh, You had two at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Timo was was just born. Yeah, he was nine months when we moved back to the States. And now you're creating a whole new identity in America. Yeah. And, you know, for just kind of time's sake, like, the Lord took you into the business world. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we think of like, oh, the church, like Christianity and like good business, like business, it's like, you know, almost like, it's, can these two go together? Yeah. And um, you've been for years now just been showing me just through, again, through life, not through, you're not saying things, but I'm watching you, mm-hmm. uh, that there's a, there is a blending that that's like, you can be a on-fire Christian and totally going for it in the business world, in your world that you're in. Yeah, yeah. And in, in, in the Bible, it's uh, Paul would say to the church in Rome that I become all things to all men. I think that was how it worked, right? Yeah. Something like that. But the, the idea, we say those things casually, but what we're trying to say really is I'll become what I want to be when I want to be it yeah. as long as I want to be it. Right. And, and then, but we use the scripture to cover up that we're a bunch of idiots yeah. and we don't yeah, want to yeah. do anything, right? right? right, right. Oh, well, I'm not going to become anything to anybody. They can be like me. And then mm-hmm. they got to hear the verse, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you're not conforming. So for me, I just say, if this is what it looks like, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So, and I did that. And, and when I went to, I had this opportunity when I came back to the States, I was making eight bucks at the church. I mean, it's like slave labor, <laughs> right? Eight bucks and 15 cents. And I should have been thankful for the 15 from right, their perspective, exactly, exactly. right? Like, it could be worse. Yeah, and it probably exactly. was. So, uh, but the, but the wonderful thing was, is I did a Bible study. I taught the college age. I was faithful. I did, you know, construction projects at the church. And one of the kids in my, in my college age group, 19, had a new car, paid for his house. And we were talking and I said, hey, I can't wait to hang out with you this summer. And he goes, well, you can't because I'm going to go and sell alarms door to door in Boston. And I said, well, could I go with you? <laughs> he said, are you kidding? I'd take you in a heartbeat to go wow. sell so he hired me on the spot. So I went to tell the pastor at the time, I won't say his name, but I should because he didn't do it right. But I said, <laughs> I said, hey, I'm leaving and I'm going to go do work so I could, so I could afford an iPod in yeah. six years, yeah. right? Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah, the exactly. way you pay exactly. me, I won't do nothing. Yeah. So anyways, I said, I'm going to go do this and sell and knock doors in Boston. And he goes, you're stupid. You think you're going to make $20,000 in a year? I did that flipping real estate. It's not that easy. I was just going to promote you to a pastor and give you a raise. What? To 835? That's not so going to change. Just, he's trying he, to squash. Wrote, oh, yeah. 
Wow. Wrote it off, said I'm an idiot, right, and right, I should right. stay because my future's bright working for his vision. Right. And and to and to and to to that point, that is not indicative of the gospel. Right. That is one man's perspective right. of what he wanted to build. Right. And for him, go ahead. Yeah. And I guarantee you there's twenty other guys waiting in yeah, line there, behind there's me. There's people that are willing to that do would have taken yeah. the paycheck and done it. And they did. Yeah. Yep. And so I went and knocked doors. And that's that is the next pivot of the story where I always think of Paul where he he kind of fell off the map after he after he really met the Lord, yeah. right? He went into obscurity. Yeah. You think in yeah, Philippians he went home for he, quite a while, right? He talks Thessalonians. He yeah. says like eleven years I was gone, yeah. and then in thirteen years, you know, it's yeah, like, he was gone until Barnabas came and grabbed him and brought him out of kind of obscurity, right? And so, and you and I have talked about that in the past, where mm. I said, "Man, God, I I'd love to fall off the map and wonder if you could still find me in a few weeks, right? If it, if you knew where I was, <laughs> do you have my number?" Right. And then we always go to to the details of oh. God knows all the hairs on your head, but it's not just all the hairs. It's each one has a specific number. So it was like number 243 <laughs> fell out. And I said, listen, I'm bald. So it doesn't, it doesn't it, matter it's not anymore. Change my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we get so into the details and, and what it's supposed to look like. And, and I just think that if God gives me a chance to do something, you really ought to take it. And so this was a pivot for me to go do door-to-door sales and start over and fall off the map and to say, God, could you, I, listen, if you know the hairs on my head and mm. 27's flapping in the wind, I bet you know where that wind blew from and where I'm standing. Yeah. So I took it to a practical level because knowing how many hairs I have is irrelevant. Yeah, Nobody yeah, yeah. cares. And that's Nobody, not even the point of the verse. That's not the yeah, point, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But we make it this thing yeah. like I should feel special because he counted my hair. Right, right, right. That's not a special thing. It's just a fact. He just, he knows everything. Yeah. Um, but, but for me, it was, could you find me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've done it once mm. and you did it again. And I just wanted to see, could you, could you do it? A, could you really, could you really find and me? I, and, and I, I yeah. imagine, I just, I'm just thinking as you said that, I'm imagining like, here you are, like, you've been taken away several times, mm-hmm. you know, dad dies, you're mm-hmm. taken away by somebody you don't know. Yeah. Then your brother is taken away. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, do I exist? Mm-hmm. Like, am I there? So you're putting it to the Lord, like, find Can me. Can you find me? Thank you for listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, you can subscribe to our podcast, Crossing Cultures. Visit us at www.crossingculture.org or you can connect with us on social media. If you live in San Diego, we would love to see you in person. Calvary San Diego meets on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11. You can find our address at www.calvarysd.com. We're a new show, and we would love to hear from you. Would you leave us a voice message at 619-500-4772? Again, that's 619-500-4772. And let us know how this show is reaching you. And pray about supporting the ministry of Crossing Cultures in prayer and financially as we seek to connect to those who may live, believe, or think differently than we do for the sake of the gospel. Visit us at www.crossingculture.org. Thank you for being with us, and we hope you join us next week on Crossing Cultures.